Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast. I'm Kimberly Johnson in D.C. I'm sitting in the chair right next to me in Oakland, California is the splendiferous Steph Walton. (laughs) (laughs) I never know what you're going to say. And I always am like, okay, what's coming? I love it. Hi, Kimberly. Hello, Stephanie. Stephanie is running for city council. (laughs) <laughs> I am at Steph for Oakland on Twitter looking to build that up so I can spread the good word. Hey, you guys, seriously, will you follow her? Steph for I'm going to put that in the text of our please. show. Um, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later about what she's doing and her plans. But uh, please follow her because this is huge. This is something that, you know, hey, you're a woman. You're pissed. You're running. Oh, I'm pissed for so many reasons. And, at, you know, later on in the show, we're going to talk about so much about what we're pissed over. Uh, <laughs> yes, whatever kind of language that was that but I was just good, speaking. There's good stuff, too. There's good stuff, too. And this is this is good stuff. You know, sometimes yeah. you get motivated to do thing to do great things because you're so bummed about mm-hmm. something that's going on. Yeah, right. Right. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, we have so much that we're going to talk about today. So, of course, before we get started, a uh, big fat reminder that Start Me Up is a listener-supported independent podcast. And when you sign up, you get email alerts that a new show is up. So that's one reason. And mm-hmm. we've done so many shows. Um, listen to some old shows. You can uh, become a monthly supporter for any dollar amount. $5 will get you into the End Another Thing segment. It's the show after the free show, and that's for patron- patrons only. Um, we've also had some really cool guests, Alyssa Milano, Charlotte Clymer, former federal prosecutors Glenn Kirshner and Renato Mariotti. We've had God. Molly Jong Fast and Kristen Johnston. I interviewed Vincent D'Onofrio, and I do know, and I've been talking with Holland Taylor. She's got a crazy-ass busy schedule. She's actually going to be in fucking Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the new one. What? And, and so I'm trying to work out with her because she's doing this Broadway show, Anne, which was insanely amazing. I talked about that. Uh, last week but um she's doing that and then she's also filming bill and ted so her schedule is crazy and so for the next two weeks i'm leaving her alone and then i'm going to touch base with her at some point i will be getting um getting her on the show and she's going to talk about her creative acting life and all that stuff so i can't wait um but anyway just you you can visit patreon.com slash start me up and support us for like i said any dollar amount we need it and we appreciate it so that's yep. the en- that's the end of the ad. <laughs> oh, Good but, ad, but girl. you know what? I, I do want to tell you um, today you and I are going to be talking about very important personal secrets on and another thing. And one oh, of <laughs> one of them is one of the important secrets is that time that I stalked Benicio del Toro and I also stalked Christian Slater. So I'm sure you're going to want to hear all about that. I love any form of stalking, (laughs) any sort of stalking I'm such a goofball, but I did. I actually stalked them. I went to their homes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's all I'm going to say until the end of another thing. And this will be my last episode of Start Me Up. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny thing is I don't have crushes on them anymore, but I did, so, you know. But I that, don't blame you. That's that's one of the things we're um, we're going to talk about. And another thing is, I did ask a question on um, on Twitter yesterday. Who's your favorite celebrity crush? And I said, use photos only. Oh my God, so it's like almost two thousand replies already. And so I thought we could talk about our celebrity crushes. Okay, That'd I'm making fun. a list as okay. we as we speak here. <laughs> um, so I want to start this show with something positive, and okay. um, obviously Trump and all of the fascist authoritarian crazies 
want us to feel defeated. That's part of their game plan. So, and it's working. I've been noticing some some real despair in comparison to the normal despair we've been feeling. And I just, I want to say a couple of things. Number one, there's somebody that I know who's in this um, Twitter group who always comes in, and, and he's a great guy, but he always sings doom. This is it. Mm. We're never going to have our country back. It's over. We've lost everything. And it's like, no, do not take on that attitude at this point in the game. After November, tw- if November 3rd, 2020 happens and Trump is still president, fine. Doom and gloom all you want. I'll be right there with you. I'll be completely shitting my pants. But I'll be packing my bags, but okay. Yeah. But I mean, we, we still have hope. There is still hope. You know, in fact, um, a George Bush, George W. Bush appointed judge is considering releasing the unredacted version of the Mueller report. Right. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but hey, we have some hope. And I, I want to, you know, I wrote something about the fact that Trump wants us to be, feel defeated. And I think this is incredibly important. Number one, you have to take care of yourself. So whatever that means, whether it's watching a comedy, whether it's getting some exercise, whatever it is, take a walk, get off of Twitter for an hour, whatever it is, do it. But I think we need to take it beyond. And beyond means helping other people. And mm-hmm. I know that people are filled with despair, but there's so many things that you can do to help other people. And when we get into the end another thing segment, I am going to talk about some of the things that I did that worked for me and some that didn't. But I mean, you, whether it's literally volunteering at a homeless shelter or giving clothes to a homeless shelter, giving food to a homeless shelter, um, going and volunteering your time at a children's hospital, at an elderly, you know, a, a elderly facility, Mm-hmm. where sometimes they don't have family members anymore. Their family members don't visit them. If you have the time and you can do it, do it. If it's too much for you, find something you can do, even if it's little. Even if it's little, help Correct. other people. Right, right. I think even if it's little is is the key because mm-hmm. there are things, you know, some people, so I started volunteering last year at a school that a school that's in need that's in my district, right? Mm-hmm. Um down the street from my house, it's in on a real prime piece of real estate, but nobody in the neighborhood sends their kids there. Um, it's predominantly black and brown children, and they're beautiful, just as any child yeah. is, right? Um, and one of the things that uh, I go a couple hours a week, and but it was it was like uh, it was a set time, and um, they were in they they were in disbelief sometimes. Oh my gosh, you came back! Aww. Right, and I love those kids. And by the way, the 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 teacher who ran the classroom it was a, it was a transitional kindergarten classroom, so they were all five, five year old oh. kids, just just glowing, yeah. wonderful, just as any five year old kid is. Yeah. Right, some of those children have parents who work a couple jobs, sometimes more than two jobs, and um, you know those those people who are struggling to make ends meet. Um, you know, to, to be there and to, in, in a, in just a really indirect way, just having their back, like for someone to know that, you know what, I've got these two jobs, but my kid is, is cared for Mm -hmm. in his, in his or her school environment. And there are people from the community who just want to be there to, to give back in some way, whether it's, you know, helping with, um, a reading uh, 
exercise or bringing the snack that the kids really want. Right. Like one time I brought a bunch of, of strawberries and I brought, they wanted boom chicka pop. They requested <laughs> that and I brought bags in. Those kids didn't even go play at that recess. Wow. They sat and just ate the popcorn until <laughs> it was gone. And then I realized they ate the popcorn until it was they were gone. hungry. Because they were hungry. Yeah. Okay. So... And and, and this is not a horn tutor by any stretch, but I'm going to tell you something while we're on the give back thing. I realized that, you know, in in Oakland Unified School District, budgets were cut. I mean, stuff was taken out. Athletic programs that are so critical Mm -hmm. to an urban school, public school program slashed. Uh, The Oakland Tech swim team went to state in, in, uh, in 2017, mm-hmm. the swim program was cut. Oh my god! Okay, there, a lot of the girls' athletic programs were cut. P.S. Yeah. Um, Marshawn Lynch, who was a graduate of of Oakland Technical High School, which is down. That's where my that's where my daughter will be going to public high school. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in and and reached into his own pocket and gave the school half a million bucks. Wow. And reinstated reinstated some athletic programs. The girls basketball team at Oakland Tech won state in 20 in 2019. That this year. Hmm. Okay. Now, if you, if you go to if you go to a school and or any urban high school, right, is going to have a variety of ethnicities, socioeconomic um, you know, different sort of socioeconomic levels, right? Um, they have a food pantry at Oakland Tech where families can come in on Fridays and fill some grocery bags and take some food home so they can feed their families on wow. the weekends. That's something that, you know, that's volunteer based. I, I know there are contributors. I don't, I don't work inside of the Oakland Tech on a volunteer basis, but I have spoken with their principal because those kids deserve to be fed yeah they they deserve to have athletic programs that help keep them busy focused and off you know from wandering the streets with nothing to do boredom leads to bad shit yeah i know because i was bored in high school and i know what i was doing right when i was playing field hockey during hockey season i was i was on the straight and narrow right right so so what I found is, okay, the kids aren't eating. I have a big mouth. <laughs> I know people. I know people in the in the district who own restaurants and who provide food. And I rallied some community members who said, "Oh yeah, let's serve. Let's serve dinner. Let's do this on a regular basis." Mm-hmm. I I had it all set up. I went to the the district just to kind of get the blessing like hey we're going to do this every Tuesday of the month from mid-April to the end of the school year and they said no they said no we want you to go every it's impossible because everybody that that volunteers needs to be certified through the school district to serve the food the principal said "Uh uh-uh we're gonna this is we don't have a we don't have a supper program so we're just gonna do this thanks okay bye wow and and then the woman goes no you're not. Hmm. And I'm coming to see you, principal of the school. And guess what, though? They reinstated the supper program three days later. At oh, that wow. School. Okay. So flat, you know, fast forward two months and I'm sitting in an Oakland City Council budget meeting. And the woman I reached out to initially about getting the blessing so we could so we could execute this kick ass 
supper program, she walks up to the podium and addresses the city council and says, kids in our, in, in, in our town are not eating dinner. And I urge you to put a line item into this budget and pass it so that we can feed our kids. Mm -hmm. and guess what? They did. Wow. Okay. One, one loud person mm -hmm. in, a, in a city or a town speaks up and that happened. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's a ripple effect and, yeah. and it's contagious and it, and you know, again, it, it could be something big like that, or it can just be the little stuff because sometimes or people, the little stuff yeah, too. Because yes, people absolutely. feel well, they have families and they have two jobs and they have kids and they're overwhelmed and they're like, I don't have any time. I can't do a, a thing. But you can because you either have extra clothes that you can donate, extra shoes, old shoes, non-perishables, yes. non-perishables. If you if you lived in Oakland and you filled up a couple of grocery bags with non-perishables or ran to your local Safeway and bought boxes of cereal and cans of soup yeah. and that sort of thing and dropped it off at Piedmont Avenue Elementary School in Oakland, California, they would spread that out on a table and families that walk through the door to drop their kids off in the morning or come to pick them up at night would grab a couple of cans, yeah. grab a box of Honey Nut Cheerios, and then they all they have to do is spend, you know, God only knows, you, milk is very expensive, yeah. but that's all they're buying. Right. That, takes, that takes the heat off of mm -hmm. somebody who who's who is on their way to their second job right and who is wondering what am i feeding my kids this weekend yeah that's that that's e that's an easy thing if you've got 20 extra bucks go fill a grocery bag and drop it off at a local school or call around you know when you're in your car on your way to work call the local elementary school that you happen to know is in need and then drop that shit off yeah and the thing and is feed it's, somebody and like stop, that's, e that's easy it, yeah don't make the excuses as to why you can't. And I, and I say this again, I mean, it's, it's good to help people no matter what the political climate is. But in this particular political climate, um, I, 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 can't e I can't even imagine what we're going to deal with between now and, and November 3rd, 2020. It's going to be awful. For all we know, it's going to be mass murders every week. We could be going to war with Iran. There are so many terrible things that are going to happen that we, A, need to expect them and be, be mentally prepared for them so that we can handle them because we've got to save our sanity until this election. Uh, I, you know, again, once the election is over, if Trump supposedly wins, all bets are off, feel awful and do whatever, you know, that's when you have your pity party. But right now, this is when we need to figure out how to keep ourselves mentally healthy. And it's not just you. It's not just me. It's the collective. Because what winds up happening, I keep seeing, you know, as I mentioned, this guy, he's always talking about the doom and there's no, we've lost everything. What winds up happening is that becomes contagious and it becomes mm -hmm. a self-fulfilling prophecy. Nobody has, you know, I mean, it's really tough right now to trust uh, our electoral um, process. And even though it's hard to trust, this is how we win. We, we blue flood. We, we create a blue flood where it's just impossible to lose. We have to do that. And, you know, and it's like, aside from doing um, whatever you can in a volunteer, you know, like in a volunteer thing, you also can make your plans right now for, A, how you're going to vote, getting your time off to vote. If you're going to call for, for candidates, maybe start when we pick a nominee. Um, 
you know, I mean, obviously, if you want to donate or call for, for the, the people running right now. But once we get a nominee, that's when things get serious. And you can start making phone calls. And it's easy because, like, you know, I made calls for Obama or, you know, I made calls for Hillary Clinton. And you just go online and they provide you with the script and you can call from your computer. So it's not even your home phone. And, you know, you're going to you're going to talk to a lot of people who don't want to hear you. But every once in a while, you get someone who wants to hear you. And it makes a difference. It all right. makes a difference. Absolutely. So just try to, you know, keep up. It's not even it's like, yes, try to keep a positive attitude. But that's hard to say when we're watching people get shot and killed. And then we're seeing idiots in, in power say that it's because of video games. So it's hard to stay positive, but you have to find those things that keep you going. It's so freaking vital. And you know what? I'm My mom calls me the crack of doom because I'm always seeing the negative. I always, you know, well, this could happen. Well, that could happen. But you know what? In this particular case, I feel usually though the doom comes from my own personal situation. It's like, I, 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 I do it in a personal thing, but this is not, this is personal, but it, this is all of us. And in an all of us situation, I'm kind of like the, okay, we can do this. I'm like the Obama. Yes, we can do this. You know, I saw on Deborah Messing tweeted something and somebody came on and said, well, what if Trump wins? And I'm like, well, what if sane people organize and mobilize and, and mm -hmm. get out the vote? What if, you know, what if we blew flood like we did in 2018? What if that happens? What if we have a positive attitude instead of, you know, focusing on all the negative because there's so much negative. It's really, really fucking easy to focus on. And then the other thing that you're doing as far as paying it forward is you're running for city council. Yay. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, that's kind of like the ultimate. I mean, you're, you're looking to help others in, in your community, whether they're in need or they're just regular citizens who, you know, there's a picture of you on your um, Steph for Oakland and you're, what is it, a sinkhole? You're standing pretty next much. to like it's, a big sinkhole. It, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the city street has eroded, um, and 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 has been repaired since I've lived here, uh, two times. Like asphalt completely repaired and patched, and it just doesn't set and it erodes because of some drains that were installed with the city's permission back in the '90s. Um, just a just beyond my house is a little hill. And homes up there had these drains installed to um, guide the rainwater away from the homes, right? Well, they were so, <clears throat> they're just, they're faulty. And what happens, it's like a class five rapid in the freaking winter months when it's rainy. Water comes through. My 77-year-old mother-in-law fell in the street in a hole that the city hasn't repaired, and we've we've called out on several occasions to get these repaired. She was thankfully not injured. I mean, you know, a little bit bruised, but no bones were broken, no fractures, nothing. Thank God. My son, my son slipped on the algae that forms because water flows uh, 365 days a year. Yeah. And it and it flows. So you step. We we all park in front of our homes in our neighborhood, and you have to literally like get. You know, it's like playing a game of Twister, getting from the sidewalk to a part of the street that's not either covered in algae. That my son fell like flew, and fell on his butt um, because this algae, which is also probably like super unhealthy. Mm -hmm. You know, like God only knows yeah. it's made of trash, water, sickness. Yeah. Um, it's it's a real problem. And so, you know, neighbors 
um, have opened up tickets with the city, like, hey, this is a problem. So then the city opens up a ticket, and then they close it, and it's not fixed. Yeah. And so my next-door neighbors have fixed that sinkhole twice now. In They've lived here for four years, twice, and it looks like that. And it's about wow. 25 feet long. Um, Unbelievable. So, so I, you know, I reached out to the city councilor who I'm running against. Um, his name is Dan Kolb. Uh, because I knew he knew I was running because he started following my campaign advisor on all of her social media platforms, but he pretends he doesn't know who I am everywhere I go. I don't know her. Well, guess what? You should know her because she's the one singing with the band at Barbara Lee's birthday party. (laughs) Booyah. But anyway, but so here's the thing. I, I wrote to him. We had a, we had a, you know, a neighborhood meeting. There are four houses that are deeply affected by this what's going, you know, this, these holes in the, the asphalt. And one guy who lives two doors down from me is on sort of the hill. And he's literally just two houses down from these drains that were installed. So, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. Yeah. And, and this, but this is, this is all over Oakland, Mm -hmm. right? Um, there are, there are pothole gorillas who go out in the middle of the night and patch holes like, and it's, and it's everywhere. And, you know, my, I I live in a nice neighborhood. And so I, I look at, you know, I'm all over town all the time in my car and I see it, it's everywhere. And then there are some neighborhoods that aren't as nice as mine and it's worse. Mm -hmm. Oakland deserves better, right? You know what I would do if I were you? I would totally Hmm. tag him. And I would say, you keep pretending that you don't know me, but you do. And then, and if you really don't, then hi, here I am. Let's talk about these X and you know these sinkholes or something like that. Try to. Right, tr- I would right. go after him on Twitter. I would tag him and uh, challenge all him. eighty-five of my followers. Yeah, I but, need this start I'll me up you. audience to start following me. Yeah, because these this is there are so many issues. So here, I- if I may. Mm-hmm. If I may, just just for a moment, yes. tell the story. And I've told the story before, but for anybody that, that's listening now, maybe for the first time to our fabulous um, uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that thing we do. You know, I have to say, Kimberly Johnson, you have, you know, we've developed this incredible friendship from two coasts right Mm -hmm. we couldn't we couldn't be further in the united states apart from each other (laughs) and yet i you know i this is a friendship that i i count on for um you know like to be uplifted to just you're somebody who i know is going to listen no matter what you've got my back it's wonderful and i hope you feel the same Uh, of course i feel the same of course i was just going to say right back at you oh it's amazing but you know, we've talked about everything. Mm-hmm. We've talked about what this, you know, the, the 2016 presidential election did to this mm-hmm. country and has done to us personally. And and why I'm running for this office, you know, aside from loving my town, like, like being so connected to Oakland and to the people in Oakland because of what it represents, because of its di- true diversity... And because I've never felt more at home anywhere Mm -hmm. in my life as I do here in Oakland. I've never lived anywhere for 14 years in a row and in the same community. And I'm raising my children here and I, you know, I'm, I'm involved. I'm dug in. I'm not going anywhere. Right. Like, like there I'm coming out of this house is zipped up in a bag. Like that's, that's (laughs) what's happening. You know what I mean? 
And but but why I decided to run is because in 2015, Trump hadn't even gotten the nomination yet. And I was watching him hold a press conference right after he came back from Mexico. He went to Mexico and asked then President Nieto to build the wall. And Nieto told him to get effed, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, like, go back. You, yeah. you, <laughs> hey, you go back to where you're from. Okay, right, buddy? exactly. Because we're not paying for that wall. Um, and Trump held a press conference on in Arizona immediately following that, that meeting and said, my first order of business when I get to the White House is that I'm going to deport all the Mexican rapists, yeah. murderers, and drug addicts. And I was sitting there watching that with my son, who was 11 at the time. And the look of sheer terror he had on his face when he said to me, Mom, are we going to be deported? Okay? Unbelievable. And I said, no, we are not, son. But you can rest assured that people you know and care about are going to be persecuted because of who they love, mm-hmm. what, they, you know, what God they, they believe in, the color of their skin. And that's, that's a very real thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that I'm a hundred percent safe looking the way I do. Mm -hmm. If I were in El Paso, Texas at that Walmart, had I, you know, would I have been targeted because you you would have been targeted because he doesn't, according to this crazed lunatic, you're part of the quote unquote invasion. Right. I mean, you look at me and you know. Like, uh, and there ain't no hiding. Right. I'm a brown woman. I'm a Latina. I'm a, you know, I come from Native American. Uh, yeah, my great, my great grandmother was uh, 100% Cherokee Indian. We are brown people. Okay. So, so I decided to run because that's not okay with me. Yeah. And, and we have to start locally. We have to start fixing those you know, these, you know, racism is rampant. Mm -hmm. And I live in an ethnically diverse and very evolved and woke part of this of the country. But it still exists. So let's set the example here. And let's address the issues that affect black and brown people Mm -hmm. in District One of Oakland. Let's also not ignore what's important to the people. It's a it's kind of haves and have nots now, right? Yeah, like, like, there are the haves and there are the have-nots, and then there are the people of color who are being pushed further and further to the margins. Mm-hmm. I think we need to come together and try to make it better for everybody in Oakland because everybody deserves a shot. Those kids at my underserved elementary school where I will be volunteering again in, in a week and a half, those kids deserve the same shot that, that my kids. And right. if you had kids, your kids. Right. Okay? And so... I'm about promoting equity. Um, there's room for everybody to yes. succeed. There really is. And and so that's why I'm doing this. You know, we have a homelessness epidemic in my city. Yeah, in fact, have- I called I called a girlfriend in Los Angeles and she's like, "You wouldn't believe what it's like here. There's so many homeless. They're homeless everywhere." And I mean, since I've moved, which I left actually um, September 26th uh, of this year will mark 10 years since I've lived in, in LA. And she said that, you know, the homelessness is just out of control and the rents, because the rents are just getting higher and higher and higher and people can't afford to rent an apartment anymore. Right. So, I mean, what you're doing is so important because you are, you are giving of yourself to 
make your community better. And I think that we're, we've witnessed so many people like you who have stepped up and said, I'm going to do something um, about where I live. I, and, and obviously what Trump said affected you in such a way it was visceral and it was something that affects you. I mean, you know, this, I, I don't want to sound white privilege and I don't want to sound um, like, oh, everything's all about me because it isn't. But when this, when this first shooting happened, it was on Saturday and Bob and I were going to go have dinner and just go to some local restaurant and have dinner. There was actually something good that happened. But before we went, I, I said to him, I'm like, I hope we don't get killed you know, going to this public restaurant. We live, Maryland has a lot of black people. And, you know, there are obviously neighborhoods that have more population of black people. And, and the neighborhood we live in, I don't know what the population is. It's, it's a good fair mix, but there's quite a few black people. And so it's like, if there's somebody out there who hates black people and wants to go, you know, murder, you know, shoot up a whatever store that I happen to frequent, I mm -hmm. could, you know, I may not be a target, but I'm certainly somebody who could get shot just well, by being we, there. We all could be. Exactly. And it's at like, this point. you know, I mean, my neighborhood is extremely diverse. There's a lot of, I mean, just, just where I live, I live in an apartment building and um, across from me is a black family um, on the, there's four of us. So one is a black family, one is a Middle Eastern family, and then one is a Hispanic family, and then there's Bob and me. So, I mean, just on our little landing you know, there's a whole bunch of diversity, but there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Muslim people here. There's a lot of, I mean, they're white, but there's a lot of Russian people here. There's just a lot of different ethnicities that make up where I live. And so, you know, I mean, if there's some crazed shooter who's all about white supremacy, then yeah, I could catch a stray bullet. I may not be a target, but I could catch it if somebody decided to do that. But the good thing that happened when we went to the restaurant, which first of all, the restaurant we went to, oh my God, it was so funny because <laughs> it was, it's this Italian restaurant that Bob's been to before and I've never been. And they don't, they serve family style meals. They don't serve individual servings, which I was unaware when I, when we went. So I ordered, um, I ordered a Caesar salad and then I got a, uh, what do you, he, he got the, um, the, uh, he got an appetizer, and of course, he got bruschetta. So I got shrimp, and then I ordered uh, a chicken dish, and then he ordered something else. Well, I didn't realize the chicken dish was for three people. So, oh. And I, I also didn't realize that the salad was for three people, and the shrimp was for three people. It was like so much food, it was insane. The bruschetta thing was the biggest, hugest thing I've ever seen. So much bruschetta, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, so, and then the bill came, and it was $147. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus and it, was, it was just regular, like, American version, you know, Italian food. I mean, it was good and everything, but it was just like, it was so funny. But anyway, so we're sitting there in our booth, and in walks, like, it was, I think, three suburban white women with a couple of kids. And they sit right next to us, and they start talking, and, and our waiter uh, was talking to them, and I learned from over, you know, over, uh, what's the word? Of course, I can't think of anything. I can never think of the word when I want to think of it. Anyway, I could hear them eavesdropping, basically eavesdropping in on their conversation. I overheard it. And he said that he was from Iran. So they're like, oh, what part of Iran are you from? And, and he's like, oh, I'm from this part, and I was going to run for some, you know, office in, in my country. And, and the woman, one of the women looked at him, and she said, you should, you should run here. 
And she said, you should run for president. We would vote for you. And I was like, wow, listen to that. I mean, here's a suburban white mom in Maryland saying she would vote for an Iranian over Trump. And so so it was so funny because she made a comment about the president, a disparaging comment, and then one of the other women said, you know, was shushing her, and she goes, we don't know what everybody else thinks. And I'm like, I'm with you. I stuck up my thumb. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm with you. And we all kind of laughed. And... um, you know, and the waiter was super sweet, and it was just kind of this moment, you know, where we yep. were like, think, I mean, because you've got all these uh, polls showing that white women have voted for Trump, you know what I mean? So obviously they did, these, these you know, um, middle class type suburban moms seem to be going for Trump, but not all of them. So I was very pleased, I don't, I, you know, I don't know, I don't know if they voted for Trump in the first place, but they don't like him now. So that was good. But um, but yeah, I let's mean, hope they let's hope they don't like him when they're standing in the voting booth. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Well, I, I have a feeling because they really didn't like him. But um, it just you know, I mean, the thought occurred to me. It's like, well, we could just be going to a restaurant and there could be a shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just because there are, there are people of color in 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 the community that I live, a lot of people of color. And so it puts us all at risk. And it's just terrifying. And it's like, I think it's, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, there, there, right now there is some positive movement there because I think it was Mike DeWine. Where's he from? Um, is it Dayton? I think it was in Dayton. And he was speaking and it was like a crowd of people just were screaming, do something. Yes. Oh, the, the governor uh, of, of Ohio. Let me see. Let me see his, let me look him up. But, uh, but I think, you know, it was they were screaming, do something the day after. And he, you know, and he's posting, um, shit from his state fair visit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's a governor. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. How about the, how about Nan Whaley? Oh yeah. Dayton mayor. Yeah. Okay. That is my, she is my (laughs) political spirit animal. She's awesome. She was on Chris Hayes last night. Oh my God. She doesn't give, she's honey badger to me. Like she doesn't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A honey badger just takes what it wants. Yeah. And Nan Whaley is like the stuff that's come. And she's just, she's so down to earth. Yeah. She's so relatable. She's like, absolutely. I'm going to tell him what I just told you. I'm telling you, he's going to go in anyway. Yes. I mean, what do you, I'm not afraid of him. This yeah. is my town. And then Beto. My people were just massacred. Yeah, and then Beto. And thank God Beto is calling out the media because Beto. Real, seriously, oh. you know, I mean, somebody had said uh, that they thought maybe he was, that made him viable. What's going to make him viable are our poll numbers showing that he's viable. So I don't know about that yet. But right. I, I would like Beto to go back and, and challenge um, Cornyn. Cornyn. Um, and the reason why is because he's got such uh, favorability over there. And I think, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how this is all going to shake out. But, you know, last night when I was watching MSNBC, I do believe it was Chris Matthews, who I'm so ready for him to retire, but he makes good points every once in a while. And what he was saying um, was that that's one thing that Republicans understand is building up Congress so that they can get shit done. And, and, and Democrats need to follow their uh their lead on that so that we can lead so that we can take over and we've got these strong people who are running um right now for president who would probably be better served running for the senate because we need to win the senate oh yeah and you know i mean some of these people really don't have a a shot like i don't think beto has a shot 
at being the president. I think he's making a name for himself, and I like him. But I think he needs to spend some more time in Congress and then come back. Just I think the same thing is with Julian Castro, and I want him to be on that debate stage, though. I oh do God, want Julian. I love Julian. I, I, so. I like I love him so much I can't even tell you. But mm-hmm. I think that you know the the party hasn't gotten behind him in a big push. So I think right now what he's doing is just building up uh, for future for whatever he does in the future. And um, I talked about I did like did a little show of what I thought of the debates last week, and I just went on and on about how much I liked him. One good thing, though, and I'm really glad, and I, I, I don't know if there's anybody out there who likes Marianne Williamson, and if you like her, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you not to like her, but I, she's not presidential. She's not presidential material, no. and she, she, she has said too many things that are irresponsible when it comes to um, whether it's vaccines or, or mental health. And or, 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 f- or being fat. Or being fat. And, you know, I mean, I understand where she's coming from. I, I, I understand in her bigger spiritual picture where she's coming from. But unfortunately, it doesn't work in a presidential setting. She has absolutely no experience in government. She doesn't have any relationships. She, it, we're not going to win this just with love and hugs. I mean, yes, we need love. We absolutely do. But we also need legislation. And the other thing that I didn't like is she kind of dismissed the idea that wonks aren't going to... Well, she said something like wonks aren't going to beat Trump. Uh, I, I disagree. I think we need wonks. I think that we they shouldn't be dismissed. I understand well, her point. That's the problem with her. It's like I understand her point in a right. bigger picture. Um, in our hearts, wonks. Yeah. In our hearts, yes. wonks. But guess what? I, I, I can't. So I'm, I'm hugely turned off and offended by her comments about weight loss Mm -hmm. and how love and a thin Mm -hmm. body are, uh, you know, go together. Um, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, uh, subscribe to that. Um, I don't, I think that is fat shaming in a, in a way. Um, I also believe that children should be vaccinated Mm -hmm. and I don't think I can cure cancer by just hoping in my heart and being pure. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I had a father who at 53 years old died a very untimely death caused by asbestos caused cancer. I don't, I loved him to his dying day yeah. harder than I've ever, you know, loved on anybody. He's gone. Yeah. I don't believe in that shit. No, that's bullshit. And you know what? Going back to the vaccines, you know, I, I said this a little bit in the in the show that I did, but her whole take is like, yes, I believe in vaccines. I was vaccinated. My kid was vaccinated. But she she's pushing the very anti-vax argument, which is, you know, um, putting it all on... Um, the pharmaceuticals. And, you know, again, there's always a kernel of truth, which makes people flock to her because of the kernel of truth. And the kernel of truth is absolutely big pharma should not be the ones who are funding the trials to determine uh, what kinds of vaccine, you know, I mean, it should be independent third party. It shouldn't be the people who are going to be making all the money off of it, doing the testing and doing all the trials. That said, how Mm. many kids are dying from vaccines. None. So mm. when you look at the amount, like there are parents right now who are choosing not to vaccinate their kids, and those kids are getting measles, and they're getting the diseases that we don't, we didn't, we haven't had. We haven't had to deal. I mean, how, how long before we start hearing that people are getting polio? Mm-hmm. You know, and then they'll say, people who are anti-vax vax will argue and say, well, what difference does it make if your kid is vaccinated and mine isn't? Well, part of that is that 
you're not allowed to get vaccinated until you're a certain age. So all these babies are susceptible. They're, they're vulnerable to whatever it is that might be out there. And if they're around people who have not been vaccinated, then they could get whatever it is, that, you know, whether it's measles or polio or whatever. So it, it, it's just, it's irresponsible of her to make those suggestions and to call it Orwellian. And in the bigger picture, yes, we should have a, a, a country where people are eating healthier foods because the reason you get fat is it's, there's two reasons. It's, and mostly it's your diet. And, and whether or not you get exercise. I've noticed now that I've gotten older, my hormones have something to do with it. And estrogen can create fat in women who are, and I've been, you know, because I've gained weight, I've read about Amen. it. Amen. So it's like, so hormone imbalance can cause fat, but it's not love. No. <laughs> it's no. not love. And, that's and guess what? I may be a little heftier than I used to be, but I got plenty of love right here in this house yeah right here with my family right here with you with my friends i don't buy it i don't i don't i that that's when i go dark well she you know? the good news there i was concerned because you need x amount of dollars i think i saw her on twitter say you know i'm twenty seven thousand dollars away um from qualifying for the next debate so she's got millions and millions of followers i i'm not i i think she could get the money but what she's not getting is the polling she didn't get a bump from the last debate. So I don't think she's going to make it. Even if she got the money, I don't think she's going to get to 2%. So mm-hmm. there's that. And you know what? I want to say something. This is just this is something I need to say um, on mm-hmm. my own here about Alyssa Milano. There's a girl named Joan something or other. And she wrote a piece in Jezebel about, uh, Jezebel about Alyssa. And it was basically a smear piece. And this woman is a gossip columnist. And I mm-hmm. read it and it was very long. And... There were all she did was um, smear Alyssa and like ask questions like, hmm, why is she doing that? And just painting her as a terrible person and a terrible activist. And, you know, I mean, I'm certainly not an Alyssa sycophant. And I did answer this. uh, This a lot of people came to Alyssa's defense. Um, you know, one of the things that this, that this author said was that, you know, she, uh, she, Alyssa did this failed sex strike. And then after it failed, she tried to save herself by saying she was just trying to get everybody's attention. Well, when that sex strike happened, when, when she made that announcement, I'm in a, I'm in a group on, on Twitter with Alyssa. I'm in a couple groups with her. And so she had posted some, um, articles about, sex strikes can work and she never said what her goal was but she just she was throwing that in there and we were all kind of talking about it and then the next thing you know Alyssa says okay let's all go on a sex strike or she puts that out there and but if if anybody happened to notice she never suggested dates or any specific plan just a general hey sex strike And I thought, after she was getting a lot of criticism, I thought, you know what, I think the reason she did this is because she just wanted um, people to be talking about it. She wanted to throw a bomb so we would all be talking about it, because it was about those abortion bans. Mm -hmm. And and then later, she came out, and that's what she said. She goes, "Ah, I was... I was just doing that. So this woman who wrote the article was suggesting that because it failed, she made this as an excuse. And I, I thought that, and I even tweeted that at the time, that I didn't think that she was being serious because if she was being serious, she would say, okay, the sex strike is going to start on, on this date, on this time, and this is how we're all going to do it. She never did that. She just threw it out 
so people would start talking. I fucking got an interview uh, request from um, Fox News. From I, I can't, oh god, I can't remember this jerk's name. He's such an asshole. And um, Trump has actually. Uh, I'll come. I'll figure out his name in a minute. But um, he he did an, a segment where he was outside making fun of homeless people. This guy's such an asshole, and it's like I wouldn't go on a show. And I said very specifically, I will never go on your show because he's uh, his Jesse Waters. That's his name. Um, because he, he was horrible to homeless people. And anyway, so I read this and it was like, you know, there, Alyssa has gotten criticism for a variety of things she's done. Of course she is because she's got millions of followers. She's a, an actor and people are very aware of her. And one of the, the thing that this woman neglected to do in this article is post anything positive. And while sometimes Alyssa, you know, Alyssa did a fundraiser for Marianne Williamson and, her whole thing was that she felt, you know, that there was a conversation that needed to happen, that Marianne was starting, talking about the soulful ache of this country. Well, first of all, I think Alyssa is a deep feeler. I, I truly, honestly feel that she is. I've had some experience talking to her privately, and it's just clear. She's very deep. She feels things. And um, this woman literally... Go every single election, she drives people to the polls. And I know she does because she records it. She she showed up to the uh, Kremlin Annex in D.C. and she spoke. She went to the border. Went, and, and I said this in the tweet. I, I was in this group with her um, to get Renato Mariotti. Um, you know, he, he, he sought attorney general in Illinois and he didn't win. Mm -hmm. But it was to amplify him. And she was in that group. And that's when I brought up to him, I brought up the Equal Rights Amendment. And she was like, what's that? And just like me in 2012, when I learned about it, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to make this my mission. That's exactly what she said. And d not only did she fucking make it her mission, she... she, she she has been she has been basically responsible for bringing national attention to this issue and three candidates brought it up in the democratic debates now yeah. there have been activists um you know in illinois and in nevada and in virginia and all these you know individual states they've been working in nevada and illinois both ratified after trump was uh installed and there, that leaves only one more state that we need in order to get mm -hmm. the ERA ratified. And then, of course, then it becomes a legal battle because there was this deadline attached that expired to the amendment, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I guarantee if it wasn't for Alyssa, nobody on that stage would have ever mentioned the Equal Rights Amendment. So she's not going to be perfect. She's going to make some mistakes. But she's an activist who literally puts her money where her mouth is. She does the work. So it's really easy for a Jezebel writer to write some article and 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 cast doubt and 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 wonder about why she's actually doing this but what is she doing is she driving people to the polls is she getting a national conversation about equal rights for women so it just pissed me off and it's like you know i mean there's uh, i know feminist next door was disappointed when Alyssa talked about who, who, by the way, should be on our show next week, but uh, Feminist Next Door. But she was disappointed when Alyssa talked about, you know, fundraising for Mar Marianne Williamson. I don't like Marianne Williamson. The way I look at it is like, you know what? 
Alyssa's going to do what Alyssa's going to do. I may not agree with every single thing she does, but I don't have to because she's an activist. And I learned early on that grassroots activism, you're going to deal with people you don't like, you disagree with. So what the way I look at it is like you just you just accept what you don't like as long as it's not hurting you or doing damage. You accept what you don't like and you just move on where you can work together and you agree. I, I certainly did not promote her Marianne Williamson show, but I don't hold it against her because I honestly, I know she's coming from a genuine place. She's not going to get everything right. Neither am I. So, you know, it's like we're, we're all out there doing what we can. And we don't, you know, this woman could have written about, you know, Tommy Laren or Hope Hicks or somebody like that who's doing real damage, but instead, but she's instead she's yeah. gonna, but instead she's targeting somebody who has how many millions of of Twitter followers, yeah. so that she can get some recognition, quite possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what her motivation is, but she's fighting the wrong battle. Yeah, and I, I get it. There are there are people that take a look at Alyssa and they don't like her version. I mean, I know some of the big feminists like Jessica Valente and Rebecca Traster were against the idea of um of a, a sex strike which basically the way i mean their whole thing was well that feeds the patriarchal narrative that women are just here to have sex with men and it's like no i don't think so i think it's my body my choice i'll fuck you if i want and you know what and if if you're not if if you're not supporting whatever it is that i think you should support um hold on are you there yeah okay if if you're not supporting uh what i think you should, uh, or basically what I'm saying is that if you, like a man, let's say you're with a, a liberal man, mm-hmm. which, okay, it doesn't necessarily make sense to punish the liberal men for what Republican men are doing. But if you're going to look at this in a bigger picture, you could say, well, because you're a liberal man who doesn't necessarily view this as a, your problem, I'm not going to fuck you until you start making a lot of noise about this and we get some things changed. Um, to me, that's bodily autonomy, and it's deciding what you want to do. I'm not saying that's what anybody should do, but I'm just saying that when it's uh, when it's described as something that's patriarchal, that's not true. It's it's using your power any way you can. But that's you know that's differences of opinion, and that's the whole point. Jessica Valente may disagree with Alyssa Milano. That's fine. That's fine. You can disagree with her. And in the end, what did Alyssa do that hurt anyone? She she got a lot of people talking about the abortion debate, and she actually was in Georgia challenging, you know, elected officials to their faces. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, I give her so much credit. It doesn't matter whether or not I agree with every single fucking thing she does or says. I don't have to. I see what she does. So I just wanted to get that off my chest and I said, you know, in my thread, I'm like, I'm not an Alyssa sycophant. I don't just like, it's not like, oh, whatever she says goes. I- I'm not one of these people that gets all touchy-feely. I'm just not one of them. She is. And, you know, I mean, she's, she'll say to, you know, when, you sh- when she's in these groups, she'll say, or even on Twitter, I love you. I-, I usually don't, I usually just don't do that because it's not who I am. It's not that I don't love people. I do. But I'm not your huggy, kissy person. <laughs> you know, I'm just never have been. I'm sarcastic. I'm kissy. <laughs> I know, but I and I do like. Uh, here's here's the thing. We there are right now. We're we're in such. This is such a. Uh, this is an inflection point, right? Like we are either all wanting the same end result and fighting together. We may have disagreements along the way, yeah. right? 
But if we don't come to get, this is what's happening with, like when I was watching those Democratic debates last week, I'm like, no, 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 no. Fight Trump, fight Trump, fight Trump, fight Trump. Well, CNN was part of the reason. I mean, I think See, that was the shittiest debate format they could have come up with. I agree. And I blame CNN for a lot of the questions that they were asked were designed to get them debating each other in a in a hostile way mm-hmm. and so you know i mean i was and i gave all of my opinions on this last week but for those who didn't listen just real quick my biggest disappointment was the way kamala um i think it was like in the first debate she saw the big bump that she got for challenging biden and then it seemed in this debate that that's all she wanted to do because she wanted more of a bump and mm-hmm. it almost became personal. And it's like, f- you got to challenge the number one to knock them off. That's part of the game. But there are ways to do it. Like Lawrence tweeted something out. Like there are ways to hold debates without becoming nasty. And this one got nasty. But again, I blame a lot of this on CNN for setting a nasty tone. I mean, I don't know what Kamala would have done if if the tone of the debates were different, plus there could have also been questions that were a lot more um, like whether it was about women. I mean, they did ask, I think, 45 minutes or so into the debate. Finally, at, in the first debate, they asked none about women. It didn't come until late in the debate when they mentioned Mueller and his testimony, which did move the me- needle, by the way. And, um, uh, you know, just a variety of things that we hadn't heard. I mean, they spent like half the fucking time on healthcare, and they're and they, they basically all want the same healthcare. So they were just arguing on little tiny details. That when it comes down to it, no matter who we get, if it's Elizabeth Warren who's saying I want to abolish health insurance, she's not going to because she's the president. She needs Congress to do it, and she's never going to get Congress to abolish insurance companies. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. It, you know, what, what will happen eventually, no matter who we get, uh, wh- who Democrat we get, it's just going to be incremental, slow process to where within 10 years, people will be, it's like if we're given a choice of the single payer or having your insurance, people will flock to single payer. And then, mm-hmm. and, and then there won't be this fear of, oh, I'm going to lose my insurance that I love. Some people love it. Some people hate their insurance, but some people love their insurance. So don't scare the ones, which I wish Elizabeth Warren would stop doing. I wish she would change her thing and say, yes, it's got to be an incremental thing. Because that's how it's going to happen, no matter what she fucking says. And I think she hurts herself when she brings that up. But, but you know, they all spent so much time talking about this health plan that they pretty much all agree on. And then they're all arguing about it. They're wasting their time yeah. getting into the weeds. And that's... Yes. That's what they need to stop. So and they need to they focus g- on Trump, like you said. <clears throat> exactly. Hopefully they get their act together. And you know who you know who stayed on point better than anybody on that stage this, uh, the second night? Hmm. Julian and was there the second night, right? Yes. It was Julian. And Inslee. It was Tulsi Gobbard, or, or however that's pronounced. I, I want her bye-bye. Oh, she she's, has to go. Yeah. She, she's, did you see that the next day... There was a hashtag, and I think it was Kamala Harris destroyed, and it was uh, pushed by Russian bots, and yes. it was all about her. She is dangerous. And, and I also talked about this on the last show where there was a whole article written about her and, and the way she grew up. She grew up in a, in a cult. It's basically like Hare Krishna cult. There's a, I, th- I think they're vegetarians, and I don't know. There's a couple differences, but overall, the guy who runs the guru of whatever his name is, um, he's like a Hare Krishna. So she grew up 
in a very weird family, believing weird things, very libertarian ideals, and um, which isn't surprising. And you know, like Bob told me, you know, she's very popular in Hawaii. There's a lot of libertarians in Hawaii, and um, but that's not America. You know, that's not the rest of America. That's one. That's one community or one island. You know, in America, um, it doesn't hold true for the rest of us so she, I, but she's I, dangerous yeah. well i wonder why we aren't hearing from brian schatz and Maisie hirono the two yeah. hawaiian senators i'd like to get their take because that's you know that's yeah, because their home she state went as well she went after uh gabbard went after hirono do you remember yeah, what's that? up with no i don't but i'm not surprised yeah i can't remember um, what the deal was but it was several months ago it was what my mom was always defending um, Gabbard, because she didn't know, I kept telling her, I'm like, no, mom, the Russians have her back. And I said, I don't know that she's compromised or anything that like that, but the Russians are using her. And then when my mom heard her go after, uh, Maisie, she was like, that's it. I'm done. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I told you <laughs> this woman right, is, right. this woman is bad news. Now my mom sees, she's like, yes, she's bad news. And the thing is, is that the Russians are using her. That's one thing that I'm a little bit worried about. Well, Bob put it in my head, but and that's Bob Seska at the Bob Seska show. Love um, Bob Seska. <laughs> um, he said, you know, they're, the Russians are going to wrap their talons around Marianne Williamson. And it's like, um, they might. It depends on how popular she gets because she's basically very divisive. And I think that's the biggest thing. The biggest problem I have with her is that she's divisive. It, you know, she's talking about unity and love. That's not what's happening. She's getting people fighting over her. And, and it's getting nasty and ugly. And so it's like, step aside now. Because, uh, but she's, you know, she's got the hubris, you know, she's got all these, she's, for, I saw her speak in the 80s. My friend took me to see her, and I mean, she was fine. I only saw mm -hmm. her speak once. I never had any negative feelings about her. I just never, I never needed or wanted um, that kind of guidance, you know, from like a spiritual um, leader, or whatever you would call her, spiritual, motivational speaker. I just never cared about that. It was never my thing. But I always thought she was, I, I kind of understood what she was talking about for the two hours that I was there listening to her. I mean, I thought she made some good points and everything. She's just not presidential. But I, you know, I, I think it's eight people right now have qualified for the next debate. So that's going to be a much better debate. It's going to mm -hmm. be a, a smaller amount of people um, it's still going to be tough because it'll be a lot of people on stage. But I think, you know, I really still think it, it's going to come down between Kamala, Biden and Warren. Or I should say Harris, Biden and Warren. I think those are the three right now that you are don't going. Think Bernie, you don't think Bernie's going to hang tight? Um, I guess. But I don't he's not going to get the nomination. I don't think um, he's going to get it. One of the things. Well, so I, we, we got off um, on Tulsi Gabbard. Uh-huh. Uh, but. Uh, Julian Castro. Right. Okay. So smart. Yes. He's like Obama. So even keel, mm -hmm. but firm mm -hmm. and stayed on point mm -hmm. and was able to kind of bring things. He never got flustered or off the rails. He talked about what was, Im what is important in America right now, immigration. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, he, that, if that isn't, one of the top issues yeah. in this country. I mean, Latinos are being targeted and massacred because they are Latinos. Mm -hmm. We have people in cages at our borders, people who are legally seeking asylum in this country. What mm -hmm. is going on? We are, you know, I, I'm looking at, you know, 
um, <clears throat> fascism in Germany during Hitler's time, that was a that was a build, right? And slowly but surely, they started the, the Nazis started making changes. We are seeing it with people in cages at, in our uh, in our own country. Um, people who are being imprisoned or thrown in cages, legal residents of this country because of the way they look, because ICE decided, here's a Latino, I bet you he's illegal. Mm -hmm. And they throw, I can't remember the guy's name, but the dude who was put in a cage for 26 days or for 40 days or however, I can't remember if it was that he lost 26 pounds or if he was in a cage for 26 days. I mean, that that's fascism. Yeah. Yes, it in is. In America. Yeah. Okay. And it's a, and it's, and they're moving, you know, did you see Frank Fagluzzi? No. Talk about the, the flags being at half mast until eight, eight. No. I eight, eight. Okay. I, I had Jonathan Capehart retweeted somebody who had this clip. He was on MSNBC. I don't know which show because I stopped in my tracks and then I had to just put down the Twitter because 8-8 is a Nazi number. 8 is the, is, uh, represents the eighth letter in the alphabet, which is H. 8-8 is Heil Hitler. Okay, oh I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, I, but Frank Fagluzzi, a counterterrorism yeah. FBI god, yeah. brought this to the attention of the American public yesterday or anybody that was looking at MSNBC. Okay, now whoever, whether it was, you know, uh, Stephen Miller, who we know is, you know, an American white supremacist, mm -hmm. he's been talking about since he was uh, uh, um, a high school student, how the, the Latino janitors at his school were beneath him and they should just pick up the trash right. off the ground that he just tries, decides to, lop, to drop. Okay, whoever's advising Trump, we know Trump doesn't vet shit. Right. right. We know he doesn't read anything. He doesn't look at his speeches before he goes on television, before he gets all Adderalled up with mm -hmm. his cotton mouth and then reads from a teleprompter and somehow puts Toledo. Yeah. Out there. I mean, he's a teleprompter says Dayton and correct, he says Toledo. Correct. Well, I have a whole theory on that, but um, which we're going to get to. <laughs> I know because we both want to talk about it. But, you know, eight, eight. That's why there's no other reason. That's yeah. an arbitrary number. Right. What is the eighth? What is the eighth? What, what, what is that? That's tomorrow. Yeah. Why? You're going to leave it half masked on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the killings took place over the weekend. Like there's no rhyme or reason with that other than somebody with a twisted mind who is a white supremacist on his staff said, drop those until eight, eight. Yeah. Did you see when Trump said AOC <clears throat> and then he did the white supremacy sign? Oh, yeah. And you know what? I don't give a shit. You, if you, if you want to tell me it's an okay sign, bye-bye. He, he, it, it is the okay sign. I mean, that's what, you know, with your fingers, it, it's the okay sign. Although I think in sign language, it, it, God, I can't remember what it means in sign language, but it's like, fuck you or so. I don't know what it is. I can't remember what it is. But either way, it's that okay sign. And he said the name AOC right up to his face. He puts the okay sign and then drops it just as he says her name only. And, I mean, this is the sign that um, Roger Stone, Stephen Miller, all of these white supremacists have flashed. So, yes, it's an okay sign, but this is, this is what white supremacists, 
are using to signal each other. And mm-hmm. we're going to, we'll talk about, uh, We'll finish up with talking about his Adderall addiction or whatever the fuck he's on. But I just I want to say with these killings, with these mass murders, it's not always about racism, but it seems to be, especially since Trump's been president, because we've obviously had mass murderers, um, you know, while Obama was president. We, we've had this this issue has been growing, but it's it's getting out of control now. And the two kind of connecting factors are either or white supremacy and misogyny and they always go hand in hand um and and so that's it's it's frightening to me it doesn't really matter what ideology obviously if you've got a shooter who is echoing the president's language with words like invasion which by the way rachel i think it's rachel maddow but um it might be chris hayes one of them pointed out last night and a while back that trump the trump campaign i guess you would call them is taking out ads on um Facebook, lots of them, and using the word invasion. So this is, is you know, they're, they're filling Facebook up with these messages of invasions. And so, yeah, I mean, you're going to get people like these crazed lunatics, whether or not, like I said, I mean, some are politically motivated. I don't know. This, the, the one in Dayton, the one in El Paso was politically motivated. The one in Dayton um, I don't know if you saw there was there was he used to be in a band I think it was <coughs> called Menstrual Munchies and wrote songs about killing women and it was awful I mean it's just absolutely awful uh, I don't know that he was a white supremacist but he was certainly an incel misogynist and so it's like these two things I mean we're gonna th- it's on the rise it's always been there but it's it's growing because Trump is signaling it. He's inciting it. He's promoting it, just as Beto said. Um, and, and it's terrifying because it just doesn't matter what fucking color you are. If you're a woman, you're a target, period. And it's mm-hmm. like, I don't feel at this point when I'm going grocery shopping or when I'm out, I don't worry about somebody hurting me. But I also wonder, what if, you know? I mean, you see these, um, you see these things on Twitter all the time of people who are minding their own business and somebody just comes up and starts yelling at them. You know, and you don't know if they have a gun. You don't know if they're going to try to hurt you or beat you or punch you or whatever they're going to do. So it's like terrifying. It's just terrifying because even, like I said, even though when I go to the grocery store, I'm not feeling like my life is in danger. There's always in the back of my head, whether it's the grocery store or, you know, wherever I'm going, I always wonder, could there be some kind of, you know, issue that starts up now because of what we're seeing? And it's just, anyway, it's just, I just, it's awful. Um, I, I want to say that, uh, Bob was on Stephanie Miller this morning and he, you know, he did her show and I could hear him and he said something like anytime Trump does a press conference or any kind of speech in the morning, he, something is wrong with his mouth and it looks like he was stung by a wasp. (laughs) What, what, you know, every time, anytime he ever has to read from a teleprompter, Uh unless it's at a rally. Um, and I don't know, you know, I know he goes off book quite a yeah. bit at his rallies. Um, he is, first of all, um, as someone who's in recovery mm-hmm. and who has, you know, had m- experienced my share of, you know, being high or under the influence or whatever you want to call it, you know, drug use and especially stimulants will make you have cotton mouth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it dilates your pupils. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he, you know, the there have been all sorts of reports that he uh, has snorts Adderall. I don't know. I'm not there. Yeah. But what I can see 
is somebody who is under the influence as uh, it's just, it's just so obvious. Mm -hmm. And what I find shocking is that we all see it. His mouth, he can barely, you know, he has to like put his dry tongue in between his lips and his teeth to separate them from his gum. Like I just, it's the most like egregious form of uh, I'm under the influence Uh of something. Well, and it's also his behavior. I mean, his behavior from what, you know, like there are those uh, times when he's just talking kind of and he does the deep sniffs and then he talks Ew, real slow. God, but oh then, my God, you did the sniff too well. <laughs> but then he does the rallies where he's he's completely different. That's where he looks like he's all amped up on Adderall. And then I don't know what he's given when he's kind of solemn. He's just like solemn Trump. And he talks slow and and he's different he's not like he is at the rallies he's subdued so there i think that he's on a variety of medications that give him energy that keep him calmer and it's a wonder he like stands up and doesn't just fucking fall down because he's got so much so many uh, he's got to i mean every single person who is um who is in recovery has said something like Kristen Johnston has posted about it. She's like, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm an addict. I know what it looks like. You're an addict. You weren't, you know, you know what it's looked like. You would, uh, you're an ex addict, I guess, where you'll always be an addict, but in recovery, in recovery. So somebody who's in, in recovery understands all the signs. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he's clearly on drugs and you know, what's irritating. And Bob pointed this out too. When, um, when Mueller gave his testimony, everybody was all about, criticizing him because he looked old and he appeared old and a little lost sometimes, which he did. But when Trump gave that ridiculous speech or whatever, remember when it was like people thought his dentures were going to fall out. Do you remember the one? God bless you. No, Chuck Todd specifically said that I don't remember the word he used, but it was like not worthy of talking about. It was irresponsible or whatever to talk about something like that. And he wouldn't even go there. But he went there on Mueller. He wouldn't he won't go there on Trump and say, yeah, he he appears to be, you know, what whatever it is, um, confused or whatever it might be. He was he would go there on Mueller, but he wouldn't go there on Trump. And that's what's pissing me off about the media. Mm. Ooh, we're having yeah. a thun- we're having a thunderstorm. Did you hear that? Yes. Yeah. It's it's raining crazy. I'm I hope that our electricity doesn't get t- turned off. That's like my big fear of doing the show here in DC during the summers because of the fun electrical storms. We've already lost uh we've already lost our electricity like three times this summer, so you never know. It hap that's that's the East Coast thing. Summertime I, on the East Coast. I used whoa. to think I used to I used to think I missed it. I did not miss it. <laughs> I'm having such a hard... Oh, you know what? Um, Do you have anything more to say about the drugs? No, I just... I mean, yes. Yes. Not no. Yes. (laughs) Why is this not being made a big deal? Yeah. Why? You know, Chuck Todd, bye. You know, just pick a side. Pick the right side. Right. Report. You know, that's that's another thing. You know, the the press owes us... We we deserve better. We... Stop. Stop... um, dumbing down or tamping down how this this person in the white house is just a stone cold racist well they treat him like he's normal yeah 
Yeah, and people are losing their lives because of the color of their skin, because we have no gun control reform mm -hmm. in place at all all. What's it going to take? Mm -hmm. Call him out for what he is. He's a drug addict. He's a racist. He's a criminal. He's an accused rapist mm -hmm. of children. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry. W what is it? What, it, what more I I is it going to like, what, what more has to happen? Yeah. How many more lives need to be lost? How many more women need to come out and say he raped me? How many more charities uh, need to be shut down because his children are skimming off the top yeah. and paying for their own stuff? Well, you know, unfortunately, the right screams that they're not treated fairly and all the liberal media, and then the liberal media, the so-called liberal media, um, bends over backwards to please them. And they treat all of this as if it's somehow normal or to, or to be expected. And, you know, when it comes to, it's so, and I mean, freaking Mueller is a Republican, but still, you know, they were all over him. And, and I just want to add that when I was saying, you know, there's all these doomsday people and saying, oh, it's never going to get any better. I saw, um, and I can't remember his name and I'm not going to say his name anyway, if I think about it, but it was a certain, um, you know, liberal who's often on MSNBC and he wrote an article right before Mueller testified, basically saying this is going to be a big fat nothing burger. And I thought, I, I, said the, I, I said that I thought he would move the needle toward impeachment. I said, I don't think it's going to be miraculous. I don't think we're going to, it's not like the whole country's all of a sudden going to be like, oh my God, Trump's a criminal. I didn't think that was going to happen, but I did think that it would help. And I was right. Mueller actually did more than I expected because once we all got over the fact that he wasn't fucking Brad Pitt mixed with Superman, um, you know, he... <laughs> he gave a lot of damning testimony and he said a lot of things that made a lot of Democrats since that uh, Wednesday flip over to impeachment. And, and mm -hmm. what I think is going to happen is I think Nancy Pelosi is going to come back from the break and they're just going to they're going to start a formal inquiry. They're already doing it. They're already they have already started the inquiry because Mueller was part of it. But I, th you know, I mean, if any, you know, I mean, I've been questioning her and wondering what's going to happen. There have been times when I've doubted her. And while I can't speak to her absolute motivation, I have a feeling um, that and, and, and um, Jody Hamilton, who was on Bob show and Stephanie Miller, had said, I think it's going to happen in the fall impeachment and that's what I think is going to happen too I don't know if it's going to be the day they come back but I think that's what's going to happen and part of the reason is and and this is a, a strategy is that if they start it in the fall um, there that means that, that all of the hearings are going to happen throughout the uh, election and voters are it's going to be fresh in voters minds and if you start it in January it looks so obvious you know what I mean? It looks very political, I should say. Mm -hmm, but if mm -hmm. you start it in the fall and you get it underway in an official way, um, it's just as Elizabeth Warren has said, all of these senators, it doesn't matter. We go in knowing the Senate is not going to kick him out. They're not going to. So don't have that expectation. The expectation is knowledge will come out as it did when Mueller uh, testified. You know, did he say anything new? Not really. But he answered questions, and you got it from the horse's mouth. 
You know, mm-hmm. he said, yes, he committed crimes. Yes, he obstructed justice. Yes, he can be indicted or, you know, he didn't say should be, but can be indicted when he leaves office. There were all these things. In fact, Tom Steyer did a video of all the damning things he said. And he, you know, it was great because it was in between his periods of not remember. You know, he didn't write the whole fucking report himself, which also was re- part of it was redacted. So whenever uh, a congressional member brought something up to him, he looked a little like mm, uh, he didn't remember. How do you remember f- 400 pages? Some of it redacted. You, ha- you know, he didn't he didn't write all of it himself. So, yes, right. he appeared to be older because he's older. And not every, I mean, Bernie's older than he is, but Bernie's really sharp. Well, when you start getting in your 70s, you got a variety of, you know, the people age differently. So I don't know if Mueller's going through some kind of physical issue or he's got something, you know, going on with his health. I don't know. But um, what I do know is the guy moved the fucking needle. So there were naysayers out there. Oh, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. Shut up. Stop with your negativity. You're not mm-hmm. helping. You know, I get that we feel defeated. I get we feel that we can't trust government. I get it. I understand. But there are things. People didn't think women were going to win, and women won. People have been saying, only a white man, only the white man's going to be able to beat Trump. Now, we don't know who's going to be the nominee, but any of those fucking people can beat Trump. They're already polling to beat him. All of them. So it's like, just stop. Vote for the fucking Democratic candidate. And, uh, and that Democratic candidate will win. I don't care who it is. Right. So anyway, I'm just like it has to. It ha- no, no, no. It has to be the case. Yes, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It has to be the case because I, we have I to had, fucking win. I was um yeah, please, um I was at there's this super cool event that takes place every year right before the start of school, in Oakland, and there's this wonderful um nonprofit called Oakland Natives Gives Back or Oakland Natives Give Back, and they do a backpack and brand new shoes program for Oakland public school kids. Um, it, it's at Franco Gawa Plaza right in front of City Hall right here in Oakland, and it's just, I volunteered there on last Saturday all day, and I was like, I just want to be a part of this love fest. Mm-hmm. And and it was, it was the most... Um, beautiful experience I've had in like, I can't think of something that tops it for quite some time now. It was so lovely. Like, you know, parents have to get their kids registered and then they get a bracelet with a number on it. They go get in line according to age and they get a backpack brand new and they get brand new shoes and not like, like legit shoes. Like there were kids coming up and showing me their brand new vans and their, or their Mm -hmm. brand new air Jordans or, you know, it was like, it was real. And they had workshops for kids for, you know, according to their age, um, you know, preparing them for the new school year. There were physical, there were like kids were being, um, guided through like almost aerobic dance, uh, with live music. And it was really cool. There were there were people from the community coming out from the NAACP, from Oakland Police Department. There were people registering parents to vote. There was um, our mayor, Libby Schaff, started Oakland Promise, which helps kids from um, cradle to college. Like, it gets them ready and prepared to go to college with guidance and support. And it's just like, it's such a beautiful thing. Like, this whole thing was just amazing. So I get there at 745. They, you know, everybody gets a volunteer t-shirt. They tell us where we're going to go, what we're going to do. And I was kind of gophering between 
the volunteer coordinators and the actual um, the sponsors and people who are out there, the, the people I just named, NAACP, Oakland Promise, uh, OPD. Um, there was a bank there, um, you know, helping people guide them through, you know, banking. And maybe mm-hmm. uh, I believe there was someone there talking about home purchase and stuff like that. It was just rad. And so then um, my, my first shift was over and the volunteer coordinator said, hey, I need you to do distribution, so hand out backpacks and shoes, but that doesn't start until X time. So in the meantime, can you run the barbershop line? And I'm like, oh, yes, I can run the barbershop line. So I go over to the barbershop line, and I relieve a woman who had been there for the first couple hours. Well, there's this place called KJ's Barbershop and Divine, Divine Hair Creations, Divine Designs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the right tag for that before this, the story's over, but don't let me get off track. So there are five barbers in there, four men and one woman, and this place, KJ's, has like five different locations all over the Bay Area. And these barbers were volunteering their time. They were all born and raised in Oakland, okay, every single one of them. And there were kids lined up, standing in the sun, getting, you know, coming, giving their numbers, putting themselves in line for a free haircut so they could start the school year with fresh with a fresh do with a brand new backpack and with a brand new pair of shoes yeah okay thank you oakland natives give back right right and so i was there for three hours at the barbershop they i said if you you know tell me when you're ready for the distribution but i'm real happy to stay here like i know all these people now and I got to know some of these kids in line and um, to watch them and to, to, to like get them into the barber chair and getting to know the barbers and watching the barbers give not some fast like in and out kind of haircut. Like they, the kids sat down. What can I do for you today? Mm-hmm. They were being they were being offered a service mm-hmm. with all the dignity and respect a paying customer would receive and, mm-hmm. and have. And it was the most beautiful thing. Like, I am getting, like, emotional just thinking about it. (laughs) But, you know. It makes such a huge difference. It it makes such a huge difference. It gives you self-confidence. It makes you feel good about yourself. It's exactly what was happening. And these kids, some of them were little. There was a two-year-old little boy who his parents sat there and waited and waited and waited. And he he went and sat in, in, in... pastor joe's barber chair right and this guy's he has a church too in oakland pastor joe and while he's cutting hair there's this um you know video crew and and an interviewer a reporter talking to joe about why are you doing this and he goes well first of all we're all from oakland so right there when they ask we say yes Mm -hmm. because we believe in this community but he goes when kids you know starting the school year like to be able to do that with confidence mm-hmm. and having your head held high, knowing like, you know, these kids are laying their first day of school outfits out. They got their backpack mm-hmm. ready. They got their brand new kicks and to have a fresh haircut to walk in yeah. with that confidence, all of that stuff. That means I'm starting off the school year, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I've got a shot at having a great year. You know, it's just like, it was so beautiful. And I'm like, like keeping myself from, like almost spit crying. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, because it was, there was like, the love was incredible. And these kids, let me tell you something. 
They looked their barbers in the eye. Some of them were hugging. Some of them were fist pumping. Every single one of them said thank you and walked away look and fly feeling like a million bucks and and so that's the kind of thing that we were talking about earlier like to be a part of that and to yeah. see that it's contagious and, to know and it's it makes contagious. you it, it, and it lifts you up from all the terrible news that you're hearing every day and we're all immersed in it so much of us are on twitter all the time and i mean i'm starting to oh you know what um i want to talk about also when we go into another thing a dream i had and i don't know if it's a any kind of a premonition dream or anything like that. I certainly kind of hope it is because it was more on the positive side, but I'll get into it. But, but as far as, uh, yeah, I mean, we're all immersed in it. I dream about, I dream about Twitter. I dream about tweets. So it's like, I'm in it all the fucking time and we need to, we just need to find that ability to, to do self care. And part of self care is helping other people. I'm telling you, you, you will never feel any like nothing you do for yourself will make you feel as good as helping someone else who needs you. You know, it's it, there is some kind of I mean, you could call it selfish if you want, because it is selfish. It's a form of self-care to take care of others and mm-hmm. o- other people need you. And so, you know, again, whether it's a little tiny thing, if it's donating a few cans, if you can only afford a few cans of food, then it's just a few cans of food. But think about it. If you buy those cans of food and you donate them to a shelter, someone who doesn't have food is going to get it and it's going to mean everything to them. If you spend $3 on a couple of cans... You know, it's going to mean everything to them because they got to eat that night and it's a big fucking deal. So don't think, oh, it's too small. It's not worth it. Nothing is too small. It doesn't matter if you don't have a lot of time. It doesn't matter if you don't have a lot of money. There's something you can do. So on that, I'm going to we're going to end here, but I'm going to remind you that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, I want to follow up uh, on some of the things that I did um, as a volunteer, some things that didn't work for me and some things that did personally, meaning like I couldn't take it and other things it was I could do. And then what I plan to do on how I'm going to pay it forward. And then we'll move into something fun, Celebrity Crushes, and it'll just be a, um, it, it'll just be a fun show. So uh, before we go, let's remind everybody, where do they find you? Okay, g- give them both of your Twitter. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> so uh, at Lady Brain Show is is the one that I've had for forever and it's the one that you and I have been promoting since we've been doing this thing. But but my political Twitter handle is at Steph S T E P H for F-O-R Oakland. And I would love your support, your encouragement, your your input. Um, because here's how we change the world together and and make it a better place and, and restore some decency, sanity and, you know, and love back to back to the situation here, you know? Yes. And I'll, of course, I'm always going to put our handles and stuff like that in the text of the description of the show. I'm at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Please uh, leave us your feedback. Tell us what you're thinking. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? We don't care. We just want to hear from you. We appreciate you. And um, once again, I hate saying that we're going to have a guest on because it's almost like jinxing it. But we do have scheduled for next week, Feminists Next Door. She's a lawyer. So sometimes, you know, her schedule gets, you know, crazy and she may not be able to make it. So right now we've got her down. If it's not going to be next week, we'll figure out another time because she's agreed to come back as a regular. But uh, until then, take care of everybody. Uh, Stay tuned for End Another Thing, and we will see you next week. 
Adios. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.